We're uh, turning to our gospel passage in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. And if you turn in the uh, Pew Bible, you'll turn to uh, page number 832 as we read. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man profit if he gain the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The word of God. And then we turn to the Revelation passage on page 1032 in your pew Bible, as we read from chapter seven, verses 13 to, through the end of the chapter. Revelation chapter seven. And one of the elders answered saying to me, these who are clothed in white robes, who are they and where have they come? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. And they shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more. Neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb is the center of the throne, and shall be their shepherd, and shall guide them to springs of water of life. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. The word of the Lord. Our scripture this morning is Psalm 121, found on page 516 in our pew Bibles. If you haven't been with us yet this summer, we're looking at the Psalms, looking at all the different types of Psalms, and these uh, Psalm 121 is, is representative of the Psalms of Ascent. And so here today, the Lord's word to us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The word of the Lord. 
One of the coolest experiences in my entire life uh, happened when I was 25. I got to spend 30 days on this wilderness expedition in the Pacific Northwest in the Cascade Mountain Range just south of Canada. And this was with the National Outdoor Leadership School, or Knowles as it's called. And it was amazing. We spent 30 days carrying everything on our backs. And in a wilderness area, there's no signage, there's no trails. So we were having to learn how to orient with compasses and maps to get to our destination. And over those 30 days, I saw some of the most incredible sights I'd ever seen, had some great adventures with these people that were quickly becoming friends, but also we encountered various dangers. Um, Something interesting happens when you're in a situation like that and you don't have technology, you're away from the roads, uh, is you sort of a time warp back. And when something happens out there, injury or illness, it can be something that's not a big deal to us in, a, in normal everyday life now. Uh, can be a really big deal out there, and you can be really far from help, and uh, something very small can quickly become something very big. We, we faced dangers, if you want to call it that, of steep terrain. Some days we were hiking in snow that was up to our waists. Some days the temperature would fluctuate on top of a mountain uh, from maybe zero degrees down to the bottom of this valley, 90 degrees later in the same day. We were having to navigate bears and other wild, wildlife and rushing rivers that we were having to cross, walking through what they called the, the, the burn, which was um, patches of forest that had been burned by wildfires. And so you had these standing trees that were just like ghosts, and there was no life in them, and they could just tumble at any minute and fall on top of you as you walk through there. And so I tell you that story because that's not unlike what was happening um, in these, when these Psalms of Ascent were sung. These Psalms of Ascent, there are 15 of them in our Psalter, and they were made, they were to be sung and to be prayed by God's people as they left their homes and came up to Jerusalem to worship Him at some of the, at, at all the major feasts and celebrations throughout the year, like Passover. And everyone came up because Jerusalem was higher than the rest of the terrain where these people were coming from. And so hence, Psalms of Ascent. And as these travelers were going on their way, they encountered various dangers too. The, the journey itself was, was tough. They faced the sun beating down on them. They faced potentially potential run-ins with wild animals, robbers who would hide themselves in, in caves in the mountains and, and attack them. And so the psalmist is telling us what they all knew. He's putting words to this, that they needed a, a shepherd. They needed somebody to keep them, to guard them as they walked and as they made their trek to Jerusalem. And they needed the Lord. They needed someone with supernatural abilities to take care of them. And the reason this matters for us is because our life experience is not unlike these trips to Jerusalem for these uh, people of God and their pilgrimages. Um, In our lives, we will travel through difficult terrain. We will encounter uh, people who have are ill in mind and designs on our lives. And we will encounter our own frailties. The world will beat us down in different ways and we will know uh, that we are vulnerable and frail. And we also need a shepherd. We need someone that we can entrust our lives to on our journey. And that person is the Lord. He alone is able to do this. And so the three things I wanna talk about today, one is this reality that we are unable to keep our own lives on our journeys. We are unable to keep ourselves from all the dangers that threaten to undo us. 
Two, that the Lord alone has the requisite skill and care to shepherd our lives, to keep us. And three, only the Lord knows our destination and what it's going to take to get us there. And so first, making peace with the reality that we can't shepherd ourselves. We can't keep our own lives on this journey. The psalmist expresses this in verse 1 when he, he looks at what lies ahead. He sees the mountains looming in the distance, and it causes him to feel his frailty in his core because he knows what those mountains represent, and he knows the dangers that potentially hide in there. And he says, where will my help come from? In other words, I know what lies in those mountains, and I don't have what it takes to shepherd myself safely to my destination. Um, and arguably the greatest story ever told outside of Scripture, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. It's true. The Fellowship of the Ring is leaving Rivendell, which is a, a place of safety and sanctuary. And the, the elf lord Elrond has something to tell them about the dangers that they're going to encounter on their journey. And he says this, The road must be trod, but it will be very hard. And neither strength nor wisdom will carry us far upon it. This quest may be attempted by the weak with as much hope as the strong. In other words, you don't have what it takes to make it on your own. And we would do well to heed his words. There are some of us here who are intimately aware of our vulnerability and that, that pain and suffering is a reality of this journey and that we don't have what it takes on our own because we have experienced immense suffering. So for those people, it doesn't take much convincing. But many of us live as fools, and the psalmist is miles ahead of where we are. We still believe that we are able to shepherd ourselves through this life. We still believe that because of our great knowledge or our great resources that we are in control. We think that because we can scour books and blogs for life hacks, learning how to live healthy, learning how to be financially secure, more desirable, how to win at work, how to avoid disappointments, and how to raise well-adjusted and successful kids, that harm will not befall us. But we need to confess what we already know, that the world is too much for us. It's too much. Knowing how to eat healthy and exercise won't stop drunk drivers from plowing into us. They won't stop natural disasters, random acts of violence, cancer, or the aging process. Being powerful won't protect us from economic downturns, world events, loneliness, shame, guilt, infidelity, mental illness, or our children from breaking our hearts. And so the question we have to ask is, how can you tell if you are trying to be the shepherd of your own life. And one way is this. If you spend a lot of time being angry, cynical, hopeless, jealous, or arrogant, these are signs that you believe that you are more in control of your life than you really are. Because these are all signs that point to the fact that you believe just because you decided something and you know what to do, that what you want to happen should happen. And that's just not how it works. You and I need to wake up. We need a shepherd, and it can't be us. 
And there's only one who is worthy and able to be that shepherd, and that is our Lord. The psalmist sees these mountains looming. He asks, where will my help come from? And then immediately he gives the answer. He says, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And when you see the Lord in all caps like that in Scripture, that is the covenant name by which God has told his people that he will be called. I am Yahweh. This God has no beginning and no end. This God created the mountains that are in the distance as well as every other square inch of creation and every single creature that populates his creation. He has promised to join himself to his people forever and never to forsake them and to always surround them with his steadfast love. And what else do we get from the psalmist? Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. A better translation is he will not give over your foot to slipping. It's this picture of tender attentive care that God is guiding and girding up and strengthening our feet every single step along the long journey to Jerusalem. The Lord is literally guiding our every step. And the psalmist goes on to say, he who keeps you will not slumber. That word means to grow drowsy. The Lord is not like us. He will not grow drowsy. He will not weaken in his ability to keep us. He will not lose interest. He will not abandon his post. And in verse 5, the psalmist says, The Lord is your shade on your right hand, because the Lord is the highest and most powerful mountain of all, and all of his people take refuge in him, in the shadow of his wings, and find rest, refreshing, and security there. Nothing gets to the people of the Lord without going through him first. Um, A picture of this in my life is my second year of law school here at the University of Tennessee. Three friends and I lived in a neighborhood called Lonsdale. We lived on Minnesota Avenue, um, much to my family's chagrin. And one friend and I moved in before the other two. And so we were still unloading his U-Haul right next to our house at midnight that first night. And I, it was totally quiet, and then I started hearing this bass just booming. And it was getting louder and louder, and I looked out of the U-Haul, and this huge Cadillac with huge rims had just slowed to a stop right next to the U-Haul. And there were two ominous-looking dudes in the Cadillac, and they were just staring at me. And I did not feel tough at that moment. <laughs> um, and, and the driver kind of gave me one of these. And so I go over to, the, to his window and these two gentlemen are enjoying uh, brown bag 40s and um, ha- having a good night. And they said, what are you doing here? I said, well, we're moving in. He said, oh, that's cool. And then he proceeded to tell me about the neighborhood. And um, <laughs> he told me um, a lot of things that night. He told me where all the eligible ladies lived in case we were single. Um, he told me which basketball courts to avoid if I didn't want to get shot. And a lot of other tips on how to get the most out of our new neighborhood. And I was relieved that that's all he wanted to do. But right before he drove off, he did this again, even though I was already right at the window. So I leaned in again. And he got this really serious, scary look on his face and never broke eye contact with me. And I'm going to have to paraphrase here. (laughs) But he said, listen, 
If anybody in this neighborhood gives you any trouble, you just tell them you know Freaky C. I said, okay. So in some strange way, Freaky C was our shepherd in Lonsdale. He was the shade on our right hand. He was our strength and he would not let our foot slip. Uh, he, was, he was exercising great care. So the question for us is, is the Lord the shepherd of your soul? Do you rest secure in his covenant love for you? Do you spend time listening to his voice so that he can guide you in the way that you should go? And this is a big one. Do you interpret your life circumstances according to worldly wisdom? Or do you allow his word and the Holy Spirit and his people to be your map and your compass on your life's journey? Are you able to confess to him and to other people that you don't have it all together? That you don't have all the answers within yourself? That you can't make this life work on your own power? Do the people closest to you ever hear you say anything like this? God convicted me of this sin. Please forgive me of this. I'm afraid. I need help. Will you pray with me? Last night, my wife Lee and I had the privilege of two good friends um, doing this very thing. They called us and they had something really, really tough happen. And they said, can we just come over and talk with you about this and have you pray for us? And of course, we were glad to because that's the kind of friendships we want. That's the kind of friendships we need. And that is a picture of people who are being shepherded by the Lord. So who is leading you on your life's journey? And so at this point, we're moving on to point three here. An honest person might be asking the question, isn't this all just a big crock? right? How do you expect me to believe this? You're talking about all this tender, attentive care, and my life has been really, really hard. I do not feel that care, and I have loved ones in my life who also do not feel that care. And that's a great question to ask, but it's also just more evidence that we cannot shepherd ourselves. Why is that? Because the Lord alone knows our destination and what it takes to get us there. What do I mean by that? Well, the psalmist tells us definitively that the Lord does faithfully keep us in this life. That's not all just flowery language. He really does keep us in this life. But verses 7 and 8 are the key to rightly understanding this psalm. The psalmist says, He will keep your life. The word he uses for life means soul. The Lord is keeping our souls from all evil in every aspect of our lives are going out and are coming in. That's what that means. It means everything you do, every minute of your day, every day of your life, the Lord is keeping us into eternity. Because you see, as is often the case in the Old Testament, the psalm is talking about the matter at hand, about going up to Jerusalem to the feasts, but it's also pointing to something much deeper and more ultimate. There's always multiple horizons going on here. And in this case, we're talking about that Jerusalem being a mere shadow and foretaste of the real Jerusalem, the real destination of all the pilgrims, of all God's people throughout all time, the new Jerusalem, 
the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the place where God will dwell with his people in perfect relationship forever. There is no doubt that trouble came upon some of those pilgrims who were making their trips up to Jerusalem multiple times every year. There is no doubt that some of them fell victim to heat stroke or slipped and and fell down the mountain or were attacked by robbers or attacked by wild animals. And what does that mean? That does not mean that that happened because God was unfaithful or unable to keep his promises. And it doesn't mean that this is a, a crock. What this means is that all that happened precisely because God was faithfully getting them to their more ultimate destination. Pastor John Newton, who authored Amazing Grace, has another hymn called, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. And this is a beautiful illustration of what I'm talking about. He talks about being confused because he thought growing in Christ-likeness and experiencing God's love would be a lot less painful than it was. I don't know if you can identify with that. But God seemed to be ripping up his plans, allowing the evil one to attack him and driving his soul to despair. But then the Lord opened his eyes to see the truth. And this is what he writes. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried. Wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou may find thy all in me. Hebrews 2.10 tells us that Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Newton's prayer was to be more like Jesus, and the Lord was faithfully making him more like Jesus by allowing him to endure sufferings of all kinds. The Lord shepherds our souls for flourishing both in this life and eternity, but we need to understand something. We need to understand that failures, disappointments, losses, suffering, tragedies, and unfulfilled desires are good. They're good and necessary for the health of our souls and a successful end to our journey. I need to say that one more time for me too. We need to understand that failures disappointments, losses, suffering, tragedies, and unfulfilled desires are good and necessary for the health of our souls and a successful end to our journey. They must be because the Lord allows them to be experienced by his precious people. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? How would our lives change if instead of maximizing comfort and minimizing pain, our primary concern was reaching the new Jerusalem with our souls intact? Because the gravest threats to our souls are not hidden in treacherous mountain passes. They're hidden in the darkness of our own hearts. Jesus stands ready to shepherd our souls into eternity. And if we don't throw in our lot with him, we will be lost. We will fall along the way and we will perish. You can count on that. But if we confess our desperate need for a shepherd, he will gladly and successfully lead us to our home.
souls intact. This is what the Apostle John gets to see in Revelation 7. We read earlier. One of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And I want you to listen to see if any of this sounds like Psalm 121. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Jesus knows the way because he has taken this journey before. He became like us, a lowly traveler, and he took all of our sin on his back, and he walked up. He ascended to a different hill. He ascended to the place of the skull where he was crucified for us. He bore the most tragic, disgusting torture, both physical and spiritual, that anyone will ever have to endure because he loves us, because he is shepherding our souls. And the crazy part about this is that all along the way, from start to finish, he was still able to sing the words of this psalm about his heavenly Father. He was able to say, the Lord is my keeper. He will keep me from all evil. He will keep my soul forever. Why? How? Because that's exactly what happened. He arrived in the new Jerusalem, shepherded through death into eternal life with his soul intact to reign as king of the new Jerusalem, the kingdom of God forever. And that's where he is now. And he will come back. He will come back to bring his own to himself forever. So what do we do with that? We believe it. We, we hand over the leadership of our life's journey and say, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, but you do. And you're the only one who can get me there. Help me follow you. And he will. Pray with me. Father, we are frail. We are vulnerable. And we need a shepherd. Lord, thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that we can trust you because you love us, you are all-powerful, and you have been to where we are going. And you're taking us there with you. Lord, I pray that you would break stony, arrogant hearts and cause us to fall upon you in humble repentance and take you up on your offer. In Jesus' name.